0: Two guys, two topics, two two opinions,
1: two,
0: Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: What do you think about LeBron James' joke of why he didn't choose any Utah Jazz players for the All-Star Game?
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't want to brood, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest with you, like at the end of the day, I made it to the All Star game. Rudy made it. Coach made it. Mike made it. We're here. But I got picked last, first, you know, I'm I'm definitely blessed to be a part of this. And you know, it's a it's a sign of the work that our team has put in. People definitely had their opinions about the joke. I really didn't care. got the end of the day, we go play this game and get back to the second half of the season and get to it. You know, that's really what it is. The goal isn't to be the best team in February. The goal is to be the best team in July. We got to go out there and execute that as a group. You know, people can say what they want to say. People have been talking about me for a while. <laughs> um, just saying I can't do certain things coming up. Um, so like for me, it's I think Rudy worth twenty-seven for that exact reason. Mike Conley's been overlooked for how many years? So you know, at the end of the day, I don't really think this affected us, and we don't—we didn't play this game to seek the approval of him or anyone else. Uh, we're gonna go out there and try and win a game, and win a championship. That's the goal, and that's that. I think the most important for me is to to recharge, you know, be able to be ready for the for the second. Episode. We know that uh, we have very high we have high goal for the team, and we're gonna have to be ready to.
1: All right, Gordon, All-Star Weekend came and went. And uh, as you heard them say right there, I heard Donovan say, there was a lot of jazz representation and uh, saw it on display, Which I, and, and this is where All-Star today, you know, it's, the All-Star Weekend was just reaffirmed as a giant NBA commercial. I mean, yeah. that's we can, we can try and take meaning from something, I guess, or these sub-storylines, or who was picked where, or who got voted. But basically, however it comes together, the idea is that this is just a giant marketing campaign for the NBA, and it's pretty cool that the Jazz were as heavily represented in said campaign as they were.
0: Yeah, that was really noticeable uh, to anybody who was paying attention. And the commercial aspects to it I hate. That's, see, that's what I hate about the whole thing. Uh, you know, even I have had this conversation before. I love sports for the competition. That's not a competition. It's a joke. It's a show. And um, I really don't care much about that. I like the attitude of the players. You heard Donovan talking there. You know, big thing. What happened uh, as far as when they were picked? I don't know if I completely believe it. I think it did bother them, because they're they're men players with pride, and so I think it it, it it's a matter of how much it bothered them. I think it it did. They were miffed at that because certainly that's not where they should have been picked. But I think Donovan has sort of the attitude to screw them. I don't care about you know, and, and that that's I think is healthy. Just like we talked with Howard Beck about last week, I think these guys are are dialing in on the most important thing, and uh, you know this the, this whole game is is just kind of a show. It's a joke from a competitive.
1: Screw Yeah,
0: exactly. And but there is you know, I will say that when I watch Damian Lillard take half court shots and make them as though he's standing five feet from the basket, that is impressive to me. That is remarkable. And Steph Curry and others. And then Mike Conley in the three-point shooting contest. I mean, it really is. You know who it speaks to, Jake? It speaks to you and me when we go down to the gym and we make a few shots and we think, yeah, I can shoot. <laughs> You put these NBA players, these top shooters, in an empty gym, and it's like, what's the is is it urban legend or is it true that Steph Curry hit 105 straight or something, in an empty gym? I, I, it's remarkable the way they're able to shoot. That stood out to me more than anything else about that game. The rest of it's just sort of a wash in this commercialism of which you speak.
1: You wanted uh, Coach Snyder to bench LeBron. He kind of did. <laughs> but I guess, uh, you know, what what you heard from Quinn in the broadcast and all that sort of thing, I would guess that was at uh, LeBron's request. Yeah. See, we'll really, see they should have gone the other way, and Quinn should have just ground out LeBron. You're going the whole way, <laughs> buddy. <them> <laughs> you know, going the whole way, number two, three. Pace yourself.
0: Then tell, then tell Rudy <laughs> to trip himself. When <laughs> he's not expecting it, for, you know, break a foot or something.
1: I'm not advocating, you know, somebody try to injure him or anything. Jeez, Way <laughs> to take it too far.
0: No, but uh, what, what did you, What were your overall thoughts of the game itself other than the fact that it's a big commercial? And, the, and believe me, look, TNT buys into the whole thing. They, they were promoting things left and right, and a lot of it is complete hyperbole. But, uh, yeah, that's what you do when you're selling.
1: Well, Rudy, I mean, even Rudy was letting guys go, you know. I know he didn't do it on every play per se, but it's just, it's just how it is. Nobody wants to hurt the other player. They're playing ultra-cautious. Everybody wants their highlight, and everybody gets it. I mean, or at least the opportunity to get it, you know, uh, because nobody's, nobody's playing to win. Nobody's trying to do anything but showcase their own uh, incredible athletic abilities.
0: Sometimes the basketball gods smile upon an individual player, and that player yesterday was Giannis because he didn't miss a shot. He's banking in three-pointers by accident, and he stayed perfect. From a from a field goal percentage standpoint, and there's no way some of those shots should have gone in. They didn't go where he aimed them to go, but they went in anyway. And I just thought to myself, okay, he gets the trophy, he gets uh, the accolades, he's excited about that. But he was he was kissed on the forehead by the basketball gods yesterday, uh, and not that anybody really cared from a competitive standpoint. Giannis cared, you know, because these guys, again, there's a little bit of pride there. They want to, they want to hoist a trophy if they can that sings their praises.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's the All Star games are tough for me, Gordo. I mean, I'm happy for the Jazz players that got the honor. Uh, it feels like the, the, the game is so. Not the most important thing. You know, every one of those guys would uh, have had some hurt feelings had they not made the roster. You know, there's a reason that it meant so much to Mike Conley. But I don't think the reason was that he was actually going to get to participate. You know what I mean?
0: Right. I agree 100%. And anybody who who is built on competition, they can't care too much about what's going on in a game like that. Where guys are, aren't even guarding anybody, or they do sometimes, but not, not on a lot occasions. Yeah, it's just sort of a... It really, it, to me, if I really wanted to dig into it, it would, it would tick me off. Because that's not what basketball is. That's not what it represents. That's not what it should represent. It shouldn't be showbiz, even though I know it is. But it shouldn't be. It should be about real competition. That's, that's, the, that's the crown jewel of the NBA, is going after it and beating the other guys. And this game is the antithesis of that. It is just a bunch of guys out there goofing around. You know, you might as well be, you know, have a part in Hamlet or something, you know. It's just, it's just not, it's not real basketball.
1: Well, it's never going to be, though. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. Are you going in with the expectation of coming out with something else? I asked that rhetorically because I know you don't. But, no. I mean, you, you're right. If you if you dug into it over and over again, it would probably bug you from the, the, the fan of the beauty of the game. But you're going to have to settle with, you know, alley-oops, windmill dunks, and half-court half, half court threes because, I mean, yeah. that's that's what yeah. it is.
0: Yeah. And there are – I know some people who are big-time basketball fans – Fans, you know, uh, observers of the game who really like the All Star Game, but uh, I think most of it's for those casual fans, the people on the periphery, not for people who really are big time basketball, into basketball, you know, because it's it's in some ways it's repulsive. Well, but it's it's, it's just not what it should be.
1: But the game is about brands now, um, because there's so much money involved on all sides, you know. How mad would uh, would Jazz, uh, would this franchise be, you know, maybe mad's not the right word, but, you know, how inconvenienced would they be if uh, an injury came back from that game, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. for something that doesn't matter and is just kind of all fluff, I mean, it's, it, you know, and nobody's going to go damage their brand either, right? To go play defense at an all-star game makes yourself vulnerable to damaging said brand, right? So, I mean, it's, it, the meaning of it all is, has changed so much.
0: I, I'm trying to remember back to when it really did mean something. And I, I don't want to be old school dude who goes, back in the day, you know, it meant something. But I, I don't know when it did. You know, it seems like, what, it, what, it wasn't the All-Star game when Kobe Bryant waved off Carmelo's yeah, yeah. uh, screen and he, he just threw his hands in the air and said, okay, bag this? He wasn't too keen on it, and I don't blame him. You know, it's, it's you said it perfectly, Jake. It's, a, it's a, it's an ad for the NBA. That's what it is. And if people want to buy into that and enjoy it, fine. What was most remarkable to me is just the skill involved with some of these players. I mean, Damian Lillard when he hit those shots, and when Steph Curry hit those shots, it, it, I, I just shake my head and go, wow. You know, you know how hard it is. To hit those kinds of shots, it's like, I hey, uh, it's, I mean, Damian Lillard made it look like he could do that with his eyes closed, like he practices that shot and goes seven of ten.
1: Well, his uh, his actual percentage of that range is not terrible, believe it or not. If you go <laughs> look up how Damian shoots, he shoots better from there than he does from like say five feet outside the line.
0: <laughs> okay, well, then he should keep doing it.
1: Well, he obviously agrees with you. Certainly in an all-star game where it's basically to be uh, expected, he's going to pull the trigger on it.
0: Did you think uh, in the, uh, and really these lines are blurred between the game and between the three-point shooting contest. I don't want to talk about the dunk contest. That's just become such a, I mean, it's hard to even watch. But the three-point shooting, when Mike Conley was popping the ball the way he was, did you think Steph was going to get him?
1: Oh, well, yeah, I mean Steph is Steph, right?
0: I mean that's what I mean. It was so impressive that he needed to hit those shots that he he had to get both of those three point balls by three points. I mean the ones that are way back there, and he and he hit both of those shots in the final round, and he beats Mike Conley by one point. I mean that that stands out to me as something uh, worth appreciating. Because it tells you, because most people can relate to going out on a basketball court and shooting some threes. And I don't know how many people do that. Maybe a lot of people do that at the college level, on a college court. But that NBA three is not easy to hit, even for people who are regular basketball players. So for those guys to go out and drop them the way they do, Unbelievable! I mean, that's what stood out to me. Am I am I overreacting to that, or did you did you did you get that same thing?
1: No, I mean they can do amazing things, no doubt. I I agree. Uh, Sam, real quick on Twitter, tweets at me and he sums it up this way: he says, "In regards to the All Star Game, can we see it as players who are the best at what they do being given the chance to play and have fun, show off what they're good at? It was if it was serious, it would be played after the season." Uh, I don't know. Even then, it would be serious. But I hear what you're saying, Sam. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Enjoy the alley-oops. I got you. It's all right. Uh, this coming down, uh, Gordon, Nimi is your Player of the Year in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and, uh, of course, it is uh, conference tournament week, which is always a fun week. I don't know how much it, it means. We can always debate that issue. But, uh, you know, watching the games is certainly fun. And uh, good for good for Nimi. He's really evolved his game this year, and uh, he's so important to what they do on that Utah State team. You got to give him a lot of credit.
0: Do you think he has a future in the NBA?
1: You know what? I, I think so. He was on the on the edge of having an NBA career last year. Remember, he kind of put his toe in yeah. the water, mm-hmm. and from what I heard, he was pretty close, but not quite there from a skill standpoint. And so, uh, seeing him go back to Utah State and really round out his game, um, I, I think that really plays uh, plays to his advantage. So, I, I would like to say yes. Now, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's not, you know, a jimmer from three by any means. But he does – he has played that point center kind of thing for Utah State this year, which uh, has has been impressive that he has the skill set uh, to do that. Austin adds that he's grading right now early second round. So, you know, I, I'd say absolutely shows a lot of promise. Certainly has all the physical uh, physical tools.
0: And, you know, I, I've talked with scouts before who who say that one thing that impresses them, I think Gordy is, has mentioned this as well on our show, that when they see a player who is improving, that that's encouraging to them. You know, and why wouldn't it? Uh, when you see the way the Jazz and other teams uh, invest a lot in development of players. They want players who are going to come in and work hard and do what they can to uh, to get better, as opposed to looking at players say, "Yep, that's what you're going to get." And uh, and so that's that's a very positive trend for him.
1: Well, it means that you're coachable, right? Another kind of way to look yeah. at it: uh, you'll mm-hmm. listen and and try to put into action what coaches are are telling you to do. And I, I think that's incredibly important because if you look at players that come and go. You know, from the NBA draft picks or, or guys that come up through the the G League or overseas or whatever, there's there's a lot of players that have incredible physical tools, right? And we see those players get taken in the draft all the time, where teams go, "Okay, we'll get them in under our wing, develop them, and they're really going to turn into nice players." And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But I I would bet that a lot of the times when it doesn't happen is because a player isn't necessarily coachable for whatever reason, and doesn't get any better. And and to kind of merge some stories, like maybe these are really incredible athletes and, and their career is still great, but never maybe the player they could be. And Blake Griffin signs with the Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn Nets today on an NBA minimum contract as he was bought out by the uh, the Pistons. And there's a guy who was so unique and so dominant physically that, you know, Rookie of the year, of course, multi-time all-star. Uh, the Clippers were at least you know somewhat of a contender there for uh, for a few years. But now um, uh, age and injuries and some other things is not a physically dominant player anymore. And I, I, I don't know about you, Gordon, but I don't know how much he can actually help the Nets. Other than yeah. being uh, a human with a pulse, I don't, I don't know what he can actually do for that team. I get why they're trying it, but I, I don't know how it's going to work. But you gotta you gotta develop skills. You gotta be coachable. You gotta figure out a way to, to get better each and every day. And some players do that better than others.
0: And as you mentioned, especially when your physical you know abilities start to erode, you've got to have something to uh, to keep you relevant. And apparently, the Wizards in in Las Vegas were impressed by the Nets signing of Blake Griffin because they are now the odds-on favorite to win.
1: The yeah, NBA what does the magic predicting wizard know? And, and actually, what is, is that more about information that we've seen so far, or is it more about Blake Griffin?
0: Uh, well, <laughs> I agree with you. I, I'm not sure. You know, the skilled players that they have on that team are so good that maybe just a little bit more can help them. I, I don't know, because when I watched Blake Griffin play in recent times, I just sort of shook my head and said, Nope, that's not what I remember from that player.
1: I saw a take today that was so off about Blake Griffin. I'll try. I'll explain this real quick. They they said, "Well, we don't know what Blake has left because he found himself on a team with a young roster that pushed him aside because they were going the younger route, and that's eventually what happened when they basically told him not to show up." But we watched the Jazz play that Pistons team twice, Mm -hmm. and let me tell you what I saw. I saw a team that was (laughs) desperately trying to highlight somebody because they wanted to trade him, and he made a fortune, so you'd like him to contribute, where they gave him, Gordon, plenty of possessions. Plenty That's of possessions. What, yeah. I, I'm, I'm echoing uh, what what you were saying. They, I mean, yeah. this this wasn't. Well, they left him on the bench, or he was the fifth option on the floor, or you know, they were somehow scheming to to not use him. That could not have been further from the truth. They were desperate for him to be good because they didn't want to buy him out unless they had to. I mean, they didn't want to do that, and he was not. I mean, he was he was awful. To coin a phrase, I mean, I don't know what he would bring to the Nets. You know, it'd be one thing if you were coming off the bench, playing 15 minutes, Gordon, and being wall-to-wall energy and dunking your face, Blake Griffin. But all he had was 10 to 15 minutes a game. He's not. He's not that. He's not that at all. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree with you. And uh, we did see him. We wa- we watched him carefully, Jake. I watched him, and I know you had your eye on him as well. And I <laughs> I'm not seeing some sort of magic fix. There, that he's going to be suddenly become energized by playing with better players. I, I, in fact, the exact opposite could happen. He could become invisible, right? But because the other guys are dominating so much,
1: yeah. I, I will be real curious to see how much and if they, uh, if they use him at all. But uh, they have nothing to lose really because they're signing him for a veteran minimum contract and they could honestly just cut him if they really wanted to.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Well, the Nets are now the new favorite, and the only teams uh, between the Nets and the Jazz are the Lakers and the Clippers. So the Jazz still trending in a, in a strong direction, you know. I mean, I know they lost three or four before the All-Star break, but uh, there they are at 7-1. So ahead of the Bucks, ahead of the Sixers, and the rest.
1: Well, they should be ahead of the rest. You know, you can make the argument about the L.A. teams, I suppose. Uh, I'm still not entirely convinced that the Nets are the favorites, I guess, to put it that way. I know Locke has come on this station or this uh, the show and others on the station to talk about why he thinks that the, the Nets are going to be so good offensively that it does not matter at all if they play defense or not. Man, I, I get why an analytics guy like David is laying out that case. And, and hey, I, I don't make a living uh, disagreeing with David. But I, I don't know. I'll believe that when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it that stops don't matter in playoff basketball.
0: So you think the defensive end is really going to hamper their intentions?
1: Yes, 100%. They don't have a viable big. Um, you know, Kevin Durant's a, a decent defensive option, of course, but... You know, you gotta have more you gotta have more than that. I mean, even David will tell you that their defense is non existent. He's saying that his argument is that they're so good on offense it just doesn't matter. That, well, that it's gonna you know, if if you have to you know, basically a game will come down to a handful of stops and they're gonna be so good offensively that it, it doesn't matter.
0: What scares I think some jazz fans is just the fact that, you know, if those two teams were to meet up in the NBA finals, Kyrie just destroyed the Jazz, and that—if uh, that means anything—I don't know. if It's it a does one-off or it thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if we want to talk about Jazz struggling guarding dynamic guards, I'm with you. But I'm not going to let that one game. I mean, you, uh, listen, Coach Snyder's going to come up with a defensive game plan that's going to get some stops against anybody. I'd bet on that. But I don't know if if it's true that the math works so much in the Nets' favor that it's impossible to win, which is basically the case that he's laying out. I I just don't know if yeah. I'm coming. You know, if you want to talk about dissecting a defense that can come up with those stops, I think that that can happen.
0: All right, um, I am a little more concerned than that. If I were breaking down the jazz i I uh, it's it's okay, maybe i don't I don't know that for a fact. So
1: if you uh, gave me and and we'll just select the clippers here for a second just because they've got such athletic defenders. You know, if you gave me a seven-game series and let's say that came down to making 15 stops, you're telling me you can't get those 15 stops with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Patrick Beverley?
0: Uh, that would be a strong case to me.
1: I mean, I know now we're talking about James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. I got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that they don't have to those guys don't have to play the best all around games ever. They just have to play their normal game and get a handful of stops. Four out of seven games? That doesn't seem out of the question to me.
0: Where were those stops last year against the Nuggets?
1: Oh god, just garbage series <laughs> that we should just throw out anyway. <laughs> Just throw a, hey, you know, everybody gives the Lakers so much credit. And you should because they, they won the title. I'm not trying to say that. But, yeah, the bubble was a weird thing. And they didn't have to play the Clippers because they played the, the fluky Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, okay. But you're not going to tell me that the Nuggets were a better team than the Clippers last year. If you want to you want get yourself on that island, Gordon, you knock yourself out. But well, I'm see, not coming.
0: See, the, the irony to what we're talking about here as, as it pertains to games that really do matter is that everything that's highlighted in the NBA's commercial yesterday is all about the offense. And yet here you are comparing teams and saying, you know, defense really does matter in a major way in games that count. So that's there's, there's some irony there somehow.
1: Well, there has yet to be a total one-way offensive team who has won the title.
0: Yeah. Oh, my man, now you're making me think.
1: Um, I mean, we could go back uh, and look and, and set the is... bar at 15, top 15, top 10, top five defense, whatever. But, I mean, when was the last team that was bad at defense that won the title?
0: Well, <laughs> that's a little extreme.
1: How? Gig. How?
0: Because if you say they're bad at defense, well, I guess that's what the that's what the Nets are.
1: Bad at defense. That's what the Suns were under D'Antoni too.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh, I'm, I'm just searching my memory. I can't. I I, I can't. Think maybe of well, the, Mavericks, the Mavericks. Maybe
1: yeah. maybe Navitzky and the Mavericks. Although didn't they have Tyson Chandler as the center and Jason Kidd, who was a pretty def- decent defending point guard? Huh.
0: Yeah, but like but to...
1: okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hear you on the Mavericks. I don't know if I'd call them bad per se, but yeah, all right. It might be a decent example. Certainly not the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Certainly not no. the the Pau Gasol uh Bynum Lakers. Certainly not the Warriors.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got you got you got a strong not, point.
1: certainly not the Spurs. Yeah. The Celtics with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Those guys could play D. Yes, they
0: could. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to, during the break, I'm going to go back through the history banks and I'm going to try and find someone that fits that category, but I, I might be searching in vain, I think.
1: If you want to tell me Magic was bad at defense, I, I'd come along with that no, argument. Those Lakers, those but but the, he had some teammates them. around him that knew what they were doing. Hmm.
0: What year was it that the Mavericks won the title? 2010,
1: 2011 maybe?
0: I'm looking that up real quick.
1: MJ's Bulls were great on defense. If anything, undo undid the Jazz in their two finals appearances was that they were so big, long, and unique defensively.
0: Let's see that Mavericks team of which we were speaking. If I have the right one, the offensive rating was eight. The defensive rating was eight.
1: That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not just average. That's good. That's above average. Top eight defensively. All right. We'll get to more coming up next. But it might yeah. not exist, Jake. It I, might not exist. I think you still have to get some stops to win the title. I do. Yeah. I do. But maybe I'm old-fashioned, Gordon. Wouldn't be the first time I was called that. <laughs> that's
0: a compliment.
1: Coming up next, more from the birds. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.